My name is Alex Kashuta, and this is the Subversive Podcast. It's an excuse for me to talk to some of the most interesting people on the heterodox to heretic spectrum. Everyone from iconoclast philosophers to rogue scientists to real post-BuzzFeed journalists and our true intellectual elite, Twitter anonymous accounts. In short, they're quite subversive. Enjoy. Today, I'm joined by Delicious Tacos, the internet's favorite fiction writer, a pseudonymous mystery man um, that is the the author of a a very uh, famous blog, a host of uh, collections of short stories, um, and I think currently uh, two novels, is it? Uh, I have one novel and then I'm working on another one. I I have three collections out there. That I'll shill heavily throughout this podcast. So yes, please do because they're they're highly worth shilling. Um, they're they're not non-commercial in in the best of ways, uh, and yeah, I, I definitely enjoy your work. So so welcome. Thanks for Thank coming you. on. Yeah, my uh, my my novel is called Finally Some Good News. My new collection, Savage Spear of the Unicorn, is about to turn one year old next month, and then my most famous book is called The Pussy by Delicious Tacos, which is about you know it's basically what it sounds like the pussy so go buy the pussy today there's my there's my <laughs> shilling exactly please do go uh and and purchase the pussy <laughs> and uh it's actually to be honest that's the book i i've read of yours i haven't read your your whole opus but the pussy i have to say i i endorse it so Thank you, yes. <laughs> i'm glad you enjoy the pussy Look, <laughs> The novel, Finally Some Good News, is the best thing I've ever done. Uh, the new one I'm working on, I hope, will be the best thing I've ever done when it's finished, but it's, you know, the progress on it has been maddeningly slow. It's been an insane year of isolation, house arrest. I'm experiencing cognitive decline as though I'm, you know, stuck in a nursing home tied to a hospital bed. Uh, it's been insane. And... I feel like, you know, I'm going to explode into some self-destructive craziness as soon as I'm allowed to walk into a pizza restaurant with other people without a mask on my face. Oh my God. <laughs> like the California lockdowns have been so oppressive and insane. And I forget that other places just haven't been like this. We've had the longest lockdown in the world. And uh, it's forced me to reckon with the fact that even even without this, I already was leading a pretty tame and isolated life and just sort of tweaking it slightly, like adding like 30% more isolation has driven me crazy. I've done, um, I've done everything that you're supposed to do according to Manly Man Twitter, right? Like I, I saved, I stacked cash. I worked hard in my daytime career. I emphasized my side hustle. I began raking in money from both of those things, which I invested in stocks and cryptocurrency. Uh, I took up hand-to-hand combat. I lifted weights vigorously. Uh, I learned archery. I bought a rifle and I learned how to shoot the rifle. And I've done all these manly things. I started taking fish oil. I take collagen. Glycine. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, no glycine. You know, there's a limit to the amount of heartburn and diarrhea I can tolerate. <laughs> oh, Jesus. The reality is that all supplements are horseshit, and if they did anything, they would be illegal. So I, you know, I at the beginning of the of the plague, I bought vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin C, and zinc, and I started taking them, and they just gave me severe heartburn and diarrhea. Like what I really need at my age is steroids. Nothing is going to do anything for me besides, you know, testosterone or steroids. And I'm too chicken shit to take those things because I don't, you know, once you, there's no free lunch. And once you stop taking them, your balls are going to turn into, you know, dry raisins and not produce any natural, any, with any endogenous testosterone anymore. You you need to be, you know, kind of embedded in some, some kind of medical system and be really rich and just have some friend doctors that you really trust and then just make your peace with the fact that you're going to be on a, on a testosterone drip until the day you die from probably- maybe, I mean, look at, but look at people who are definitely taking it. Like it still doesn't do that much for you. Right. Like Peter Thiel allegedly uh, gets blood transfusions from 18 year olds and he still <laughs> just looks like a normal dude. He doesn't look like he's 18 himself. God bless him. But he, you know, he looks like a you know healthy middle-aged man. There's just nothing you can do. I also don't like I'm concerned about losing my strength and my reaction time, you know, and all this other shit. I mean, when I go out and box, when I spar in boxing, it's clear that I'm about 75 years old physically. Um, But I would rather have that than go bald or have acne or any of the other shit that steroids do to you. Does it? Oh, shit. It doesn't. Does it make you go bald? I'm sure it does. I'm sure as soon as I started taking that stuff, I'd immediately lose. I'm already a Norwood three, which is about like, like if you saw me now, you know, I can't show my face on camera because I have a job, but I've taken to brushing my hair forward in the full Caesar uh, to to make it look (laughs) like I have a young man's hairline. I've started like I'm watching old movies. People can tell there's, there's a limit to that. You know, you, if you uh, yeah, just fluff yeah. it up a bit, but. I'm not at Trump level where I have the hideous comb over, but uh, <laughs> I, look, have you seen Phantom Thread? No. Okay. I have the watch Phantom Thread. I have the Reynolds Woodcock hairline, which is not quite <laughs> bald per se, but it's just maximum widow's peak. Like my widow's peak goes about down to the middle of my back, but there's this peninsula of, of hair in the middle of it. And that, that itself, like that my forehead is growing larger. I have a giant head to begin with. So it's weird. Like I'm picturing myself bald. Like people are like, you know, you start like every man loses some hair and like, there's a just bicket contingency. And if I just bicket, I look like a fucking cone head. I've got an enormous, like I cannot wear normal sized hats. Like I would need to have like specially made hats. Maybe it's because of my giant brain. It's a good thing and it's a blessing, but. Uh, yeah, apparently anyway. hair loss. Yeah, like you said, it's correlated with too much testosterone. I always thought, you know, poor, poor hyper testosterone, you know, alpha males, you know, they're, they're, they're condemned to have testosterone burn their, their hair off. Yeah, that's what it is. That's such cope and, and horseshit. <laughs> the idea that hair loss is due to being an alpha male. It's always with the uh, the two examples of sexy bald men, which are Jason Statham and Sean Connery, both of whom were, 
you know, professional athletes turned action movie stars. Like the average guy that is turning into the you know commission line is not Vin, an alpha. Male. Vin Diesel before he started melting, I think was was pretty much alpha. I think I don't and know then... about Vin Diesel. I think Vin Diesel probably you know Vin Diesel is a movie star. Uh, so that means he's the biggest pussy in the world. I don't, I think that Vin, Vin Diesel obsesses over his skincare regimen and, you know, is probably going to get a facelift. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm Eastern European, so I have absolutely terrible taste in, in action movie stars. Like the biggest people here are, were Jean-Claude Van Damme. Right, which... Steven Seagal. And Steven Seagal, exactly. Yeah. And Don the Dragon Wilson, <laughs> which everyone I, loves yeah, here. I've not seen a lot of Don the Dragon movies. But yes, well, those movies are popular overseas because they transcend language like you guys can have. It doesn't really matter what you're saying. You can kind of pick it up and then it's just going to lead to a fist fight. Yeah. It's and weird. Europe. Eastern Europe is a strange thing. And like, you know, Eastern Europe and Russia, because you guys are a true high and low, like you have the, the, the pinnacle of literature came from your region and a lot of brilliant classical music came from your region. And then also the absolute nadir of, of taste, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of people that are into extremely stupid shit. Yeah. I mean, we, we've got the, the blinginess of the, the nouveau riche uh, mm -hmm. where you kind of want to combine Western uh, street style with mm -hmm. almost like, you know, African dictatorship levels of gold. <laughs> Yes. So you, this is what you get. You get people in Adidas tracksuits with chains and, you know, that adore German car making because that's kind of the lore that comes from the West. Everything's like filtered through multiple borders. So yeah. at, at the end, by the time it gets to, you know, Romania, it's already, you know, very, very diluted. And people are like, hmm, what does it mean to look good? And then you just, you just squat next to a BMW because yeah. know, that's a symbol of... The things that you get from the west once you get east of poland i think like you're not quite white people you're very you know very white appearing but like it should be another race spicy white yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally yeah yeah the, the, the cabbage whites you know and also you know men that are just incredibly brutal um extremely skilled fighters with uh you know brute power Every every guy from Russia is terrifying. <laughs> I'm not yeah. scared of I'm not scared of any white man un unless I hear the hint of the fucking Eastern Bloc accent, and then I just know that he could easily twist me into a pretzel or throw you know a one two that shatters my jaw and does permanent brain damage. Yeah, I think that's also a, a lot of marketing. You know, there's like the the Cronenberg movies and shit. You know, Eastern Promises. Yeah, yeah I don't know if they're that tough. I mean, I, I know a handful of them, and I, I mean, to be honest, yeah. I lived in the West for ten years, and, and those guys are real pussies. But my, so my are, understanding so of the culture only comes from like Russian dash cam videos. Oh yeah, <laughs> road dash cam I videos. only see a road rage. I'm sure. Yeah, people are relaxing, watching television, and uh, you know, enjoying KFC yeah. like normal people. They're they're just the the dash cam videos. They're from the heartland. Like you know, that's mm. like deep. Yeah, deep, Alabama, deep. right? The Alabama of Russia, like no Novosibirsk and stuff like like that. That's that's where you you get the dash cam boys. But you know, in yeah, these small hardcore. cities, like weird stuff. weird risk territories <laughs> that you get one army for conquering. Yeah, and there's like one city and then the rest is, you know, Siberian steppe for, you know, two days. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. yeah, not not the best. 
Well, I, I wanted to, to chat to you about um, the way um, sex and sexuality and lovemaking and all this type of stuff is love represented. Lovemaking. Because lovemaking love is. Lovemaking. I want to talk to you about lovemaking because um, I am. I really do not like the way uh, you know lovemaking is represented in in a lot of uh, modern literature. And why I'm calling it this is because a lot of the stuff that deals with sex at the moment is written by you know those New Yorker style essay women mm -hmm. who had one encounter with a man who I don't know he didn't shower or he grunted in a weird way, and then the whole story is about you know some some weird awkward physical thing, and then it breaks off into fractals of you know. You know what does that mean for myself as a you know as a woman in this circumstance and you know what's it's all like concentric circles of feeling and uh, god damn it i really don't like reading that stuff and in a way yeah. i feel like your stuff is kind of like diametrically opposed it it kind of it's not really the angle of the guy who hasn't showered but it's you know it's kind of like this dionysian force where you just you know you just kind of lay it out there and it's not about you know, uh, what does this mean for me as a man in this circumstance and stuff? It's like, okay, this is what's going on. This is kind of the, the closest descriptor that I have for my state. So yeah. Do do with it <laughs> as you please. Well, uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of anti-intellectual that way, right? I think that um, the writers you're describing, right, women who write for The New Yorker are reading a lot of criticism and uh, they're it's almost like they're too well read and they can't help but imitate what they think they should be writing. I try, I do my best to only write uh, from real life and real emotion. I think the further that you get away from your actual feelings and experiences, the worse your writing gets. It happens that I'm incredibly horny and I still don't know if other guys are just like me and they're lying or if every man is like me. But my horniness is brutal. It is absolutely savage. And uh, it's, just, it's just such a powerful reality. It's like a storm. It's like the weather. You know, it clearly, like, it comes from God. So I just do my best to be as honest about that as possible. And... I have no hang up part of, you know, the good thing about being anonymous is I have no hang ups about it. Right. I don't have to deal with going into work and then people saying, Hey, tacos, I saw your post this weekend about, you know, jerking off to some fucking underage Mexican, like, <laughs> right. Um, but I, you know, I really, I also, who knows what you're, you're also bringing up women. And I think that women, like this is the, this is the sort of Bene Gesserit place they dare not look. Right. I don't think women understand their own sexuality. I certainly don't understand women's sexuality. I don't think women have sexuality in the same sense that men do. I don't think there's the same urgency. I'm sure they have some other drive that is just as valid and real, but I don't know what it is. And it's not just raw horniness. Like you don't see a fat girl bending over or the equivalent of that, right? You don't see like your plumber comes over and he's wearing tight pants and you just see that he's got a no. big fucking there, there big meaty rutabaga outlined against his no. jeans and you fucking <laughs> think about tasting it, right? Whereas I'll see, no I'll see a woman that is, you know, that is by a snob's standards disgusting and i they're part you know a very part of me and when i say part of me i mean like 
you know, 90% of me wants to just open up the ass crack and feast <laughs> like a, like a man who's been at sea, who's been served a, you know, Thanksgiving dinner. I just want to stick my face in it and feast. Yeah. And I think all, you know, all men are like this. And now I think you can condition it out of yourself, but I also, you know, I embrace it because I enjoy it. It's a, it's good if, you know, we live in an, in an, we live a non-natural life and especially this, this past year, it's been compounded. And so it's good to embrace part of you that was given to you by nature. Yeah. I feel, I feel like, you know, there's, um, there's, there are, there is a female equivalent to this, but it's, it, it? it doesn't have, it doesn't have the outline of this at all. There's no rutabaga is involved, but it right. is kind of a, it's essentially, I mean, now I'm going to be speaking for every woman, obviously women, please, you know, tell me I'm, I'm, I'm an idiot, but it's this, this kind of, it's, it's the fetishization of status in a way. It's this kind of sure. ima- imagining yourself being the most desired, you know, you can go to crazy places mentally and, you know, it right. can get to that level of like Dionysian ecstasy. If you are, you know, the object of ultimate desire, you know, and a lot of women, especially beautiful women, they kind of lose themselves in this whole thing and they just kind of play these games. And that's why they get crazy when they get older. And, you know, there's, there's quite you know, a, a lot of, you know, um, Tonian forces that that you know bubble up from this direction. Obviously, it doesn't really refer to every man. It actually, in, in a way, it refers to only one man. You know, mm-hmm. the the man. And then it's kind of it's kind of like what what is your relationship to that man? And it's all very in your head, obviously, because you know it's it, as you said, it's not going to involve the plumber. It's going to involve, you know, probably some Harlequin romance shit. Uh, right. But the forces are there. They're just not as. Um, yeah, they, they, you don't interact with them very often in the day-to-day uh, existence. That still doesn't sound like a good parallel for wanting to eat fat Mexican ass. That sounds a little too intellectual. <laughs> I would say that I think the closest thing is probably um, in terms of urgency is a mother's desire to protect her child. A mama bear wanting to protect her cubs is the closest thing you guys can feel to horniness. And probably I think the mama bear wants to protect her cubs less than I want to fuck a porky Mexican. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't my, be able to, <laughs> to, to know exactly, you know, we'd, we'd have to get some seismic readings on that one, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no parallel. There's no parallel between, you know, the male and female experience of sexuality. There's isn't. Um, and that's fine. You, again, you guys have some other thing. Here's one thing like women though, like, it is a shame. So again, going back to your, your stereotype of the, you know, the fucking New Yorker bitch. It's so true. And it's such a shame because I believe that women are naturally better at understanding and interpreting literature. And when they're really on probably can be better at creating literature, but they you know, there is a dearth of really honest women out there. Like, I really want to understand yeah. women's experience and you kind of have to get at it sideways. I mean, interviewing tons of women for this new book and, you know, some of them are, and they have incredible stories and they have incredible insights. And yet they're so private about it. You're not, you know, they're not putting it out there. I, you know, maybe we need more anonymous women. Maybe we need, it's also, it's easier for women to have a career in, so-called confessional writing and it always gets packaged in this exo jane it happened to me way right so 
there was a, there were classic essays in the early 2000s. There was this genre, and it was specifically like Exogen, it happened to me, about, you know, I was raped by so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think editorial pressures took what was the kernel of an interesting story. And they all, what they did was, you know, it was really, it was erotica. Um, but it always start like, it, it always drags it out and it has to have 3000 words of extremely uninteresting fluff um, with the promise of a rape payoff at the end or whatever, you know, whatever crime, you know, or embarrassment or whatever it was, whatever crime was committed by a man on this, you know, woman who's writing, you know, I had sex with my father uh, something, 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 whatever it was, it always had to be the most boring version where it starts out with a bunch of horse shit and then has the part that you want to read, which is her father fucking her as almost a punchline. Um, I think that it's easier to find career success as a woman writer and institutional success because most people who buy books and magazines are women. And that works against uh, aesthetic and artistic success for women because it's easy for them to get trapped into a plausible idea of making fame or money. Like I don't ever think about, you know, cancel culture. I don't ever, but people, the number one question people ask me is about like self-publishing and like, don't you ever, you know, would you ever get a publishing deal? Nobody is ever going to give me a publishing deal. I've always known this and it's never even entered my mind. So I have freedom to do whatever I want. I don't have to chase after any vision that's not my own. And I don't have to write about, uh, I don't have to do the grift of like writing about racism or, you know, saying that anti-racism is just as bad or, you know, writing about, you know, or feminism or any of that shit or money, you know, Silicon Valley economics, any of the other horseshit, meaningless topics that are always garbage to support advertising, always with no exceptions. So uh, I think that's why we're not getting honest women that we really need. I think now is that, you know, the irony being that people are making an effort to hear women's voices. And what we're hearing is women's voices uh, forced into a commerce shaped hole. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think it's partially the, the commercial incentive. Um, and it's also the, the, the pandering, you know, the culture is yeah. kind of bent into that direction. It's, it's almost impossible to see reality if you're a woman, because, you know, typically women tend to be more agreeable. They tend to kind of, you know, go along to get along. They tend to, you know, kind of, you know, they, they, they bend to power in, in a much more, you know, it, it is more, useful for a woman to bend to power than for a man who, you know, who could be making, you know, either a living by being, you know, kind of an outlier. You don't want to be an outlier when you're a woman. So whatever comes down. That's a very, that's a, that's a compassionate way of saying that they're mercenary social climbing careerists. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, I guess that's, you know, that's at the fringes. Yeah. That's probably, you know, your, your, um, sociopathic women they they get quite a lot of opportunities from this uh, from mm-hmm. this arrangement but i think you know your your average girl is it's almost impossible for her to see what's going on um because of the this constraint and because also because of the cultural constraint and it's also i don't know it, as a woman you kind of feel like the culture is begging you to um to present yourself as a victim it's right. like come on come on tell tell us a sad story come on what well, did with- this do to you 
with writing specifically too, uh, writing is a huge pain in the ass and it takes a really long time to get good at. And it requires many hours of lonely work and you kind of have to be insane to want to do it. Um, you know, I spend my, a lot of my Sundays just, you know, look, I work, I work hard all week and my job involves a lot of writing. And then on the weekends, I sit alone in front of a document editing, editing, editing down something that may never be shown to anybody. And now if what you want is the fruits of writing, which is fame, attention, money, respect, there are ways to get it that appear so much easier that look like hacks, you know, Instagram, Twitter, um, podcasting, not to, you know, not to defame podcasting, but it's, it's easier than writing. Um, writing is the hardest thing to do with the least likely payoff. Um, and especially money, it's the least valued economic activity in the world. So I don't blame people for not, you know, part of the, there's a dearth of women writers. There's a dearth of writers in general, and I don't fucking blame them. It's a thankless hobby. You really have to be a specific kind of nut to do it. Um, the flip side of that is it's one of the few valid art forms left when it's good. There's a ton of garbage out there, but nothing hits you like a good book. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's also not, you don't really get an edge as a woman. If you're just, you know, if you're going to be an anonymous blogger, it's just not a, it's not a format that appeals to women. No, you got to fucking show face for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's also kind of like, you know, you, you kind of want to be a woman doing it as well. It is a weird thing because I don't know if this is like entrenched feminist propaganda or something, but, you know, it's kind of like it, there's there's a satisfaction in being like a, a, a lady ex, you know, it's like in mm -hmm. a way it's kind yeah, of like as a, a woman, yeah. as a woman, <laughs> seeing like a, a, you know, this is going to sound really harsh, ladies, excuse me, but like seeing like a, a, a dog drive a car. It's like, wow, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, it's like it's not like it's not another dude driving a car. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> so you're saying that uh, so to see a woman simply accomplish something is like yeah, a dog driving it, a car. <laughs> yeah, please do quote me on this. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's just kind of you know, there's um, that that kind of outlier effect in it. You know, it's you you want to, you want it to be known that something's you know you've you've been doing stuff and it's you know it's out there. It's you know and you know this right. this lady's done it and, and you've overcome so many obstacles to do it exactly. Who, whom everything is handed to. Yeah, yeah, sure. that's that's some. I mean, that's the the feeling that you know our our current culture gives me. You know, that's kind of yeah. the incentive structure that that pushes that stuff. You know, well, you're, as a you're woman, much more, I think you're more sexist than me. I because again, I think that um, that women are naturally just have you know tend to have more of a natural gift, at least for interpreting literature. Right? Like, I get so I get far fewer. Uh, stupid, simple-minded misinterpretations of my work from women than I do from men. Like men want to lay their agenda on top of everything and they sort of want, you know, or they want to shoehorn your thoughts into their sort of monomaniacal, stupid political views. And like women are just, women are much more, they're better at like picking up subtle nuances that you put into writing, I think. 
maybe just, you know, maybe I'm blessed to be communicating with select geniuses, you know, because <laughs> only because yeah. I'm talking about like five women read my shit and 10,000 men. So I think I think that's self selection. I think that's it. Because the thing is, you know, when you I also interact with a lot of kind of guys who come from like the the, the, the PUA and, you know, men's rights chambers and, you know, the, the top guys in, <laughs> in those in those circles, they're, they're really, you know, obviously quite, quite you know, uh, deep thinkers and there's quite a lot of good stuff coming out of that. But the guys at wait, the bottom, uh, we're just like, wait, I, just... I, let, let, let me, let me contest this for a second. So first of all, who do you mean by the top guys in those sort of, I've been in the POA world for a long, you know, long time. I mean, it's the, the top guys, I mean, the top guys would <laughs> be listing people, but I've, I've heard, you know, smart stuff from like Rolo Tomasi and you know, sure. Roosh has good stuff as well. Okay, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Neil Strauss, shit like that. So you're saying, the okay, guys. the regular, like the regular Mount Rushmore of PUA. Of yeah, like I mean, I don't know Roosh, everyone Bartiste, in the Rolo, <laughs> the, the three R's, right? Yeah, and then I don't know, I don't know that Neil Neil Strauss is not a great intellectual for uh, you know plagiarizing notes from underground in the beginning of his book. Um, I love I love the game. I love Neil Strauss's books, but you know, who knows? He also fucking tries to shill you like well-being seminars i think he's just i think he's become yeah i've seen a, a lot of people in these circles kind of go almost you know buddhist punk or something you know it's all about the the holistic stuff and and i don't know is this is this kind of what what's happened to to pua you either become like a republican or a buddhist so what did happen i think what what's weird about the only two you know guys that i really know about are roosh and hartiste um, both of whom made sudden philosophical turns very quickly, right? Both of whom talked about pussy, talked about pussy, talked about pussy. Suddenly, Roosh is talking about Jesus and, you know, or the Jews. And like Hartiste, talk about pussy, talk about pussy, talk about pussy. And, you know, the Jew is using the black as muscle to overthrow, you know, white Christian society. Like, uh, I understand if, look, I found God as part of sobriety. And the pussy details a lot of that journey, but it wasn't a sudden light switch experience for me. And I think there is something about, there's something jarring about how fast it, you know, their changes happen to them. Um, it's just weird, right? Like I love and respect Roosh and I, I find him to be a very interesting character, but it's there are, you know, there are things that are really unpalatable about, uh, you know, look, I'm as, I don't, I don't want to come out sounding like some fucking social justice pussy, but like he, you know, he, I think he could use like 30% less railing against the Jews, um, you know, and the gays and whoever else and uh, try to have peace, love and understanding for all people. Yeah, yeah. That, I think that it's was... healthy. Look, a little anti-Semitism is healthy, right? But like, yeah, a, a sprinkling, maybe. just, uh, just yeah. enough. Just yeah. a soup soul. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I kind of wanted to ask you, I mean, uh, about Roosh, I actually have a question about Roosh here, because he sure. seems to be like the, the the trad guy now, or at least I didn't really know about the anti-Semitism as much, because I, to be honest, I don't follow him that closely. I don't think, and I don't want to accuse him of anything, right? I just there's a there's a lot of conspiracy minded shit and a lot of his version of it seems to to you know i also i read the rouge v forum so 
I don't want to attribute to Roosh himself what what ought to be attributed to you know the collective on the forum, which is yeah. you know shares don't, a lot. Don't of, judge people by their commentaries, which man. overlaps <laughs> with a lot of other kind of right wing places, and uh, yeah, is, you know, you know, people sort of generally want to escalate the conversation to a more and more edgy level in these you know communities. But sorry, go ahead, make your point. Yeah, yeah, no, I, that was that was a, another point. I kind of start clinging back to it's it's the whole you know kind of there is a layer in every group, every movement. You know, everyone's got. I don't want to just say it's like the bottom layer, but it is. You know, there's there's yeah. people who have maybe they just don't have the capacity to have multiple frames of reference. You know, they have yeah. one big idea and that's their their lens on the world, and it's like women. I also are the I devil. Do, or Jews. I do believe I do believe that men's like PUA communities, um, there is a certain amount of, you know, feds trying to force white supremacy on it to create a farm team of domestic terrorists that they can then arrest. I think that absolutely okay. happens, and I think the Hartiste comment section is absolutely a, uh, you know, like the equivalent of a of a salmon farm for the federal government to to entrap a lot of impressionable lonely men into you know the same way that they do you know whenever you hear about a big terrorism arrest it's always like the fbi creates a fake terror plot finds a mentally disabled man emails him hey do you want to fucking bring this bomb to the to the church on thursday and he's like sure you know the, the entire thing is just fake the same way that, you know, the to catch a predator thing is a bunch of adults pretending to be 14 year old girls. <laughs> and then some some, you know, some waterhead says yes. And then they arrested. It. It's a big headline. And it, it's, you know, law enforcement or like reporters are basically like salespeople with quotas to meet. And the quota is ruining a certain amount of people's lives. Yeah. And anytime I get into any online forum and they're talking about hating blacks and Jews, like. Some of that, I think, is, you know, some of it's organic and then some of it is being fomented from a top down sense uh, so that these salespeople can keep their pipeline of fake terrorism robust. Yeah, I mean, it's just just I'm I'm relatively new to to Twitter, and I keep you know people in in the U.S. keep telling me you know there's there's feds everywhere, and I feel like I am totally oblivious of this whole dimension. Because I mean, I'm I'm in Romania. I mean, what does the FBI right. have to do with me? But it's uh, it <laughs> seems to be. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure they do have to do stuff with well, Romania. The, F- the FBI has nothing to do with you, but I'm sure the CIA would have something to do with you if you, you know. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, true. Saying things they were interested true. in. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, to be honest, I, I have no idea. I'm completely. I'm a, I'm a total noob, and I'm sure I've. You know, I, I I get weird messages. Like one guy once wrote me, or whatever, one entity on on Twitter once wrote me <laughs> <laughs> that you know, like, oh, I really like your writing. Have you been known to frequent Sallow Forum with the likes of uh, Bronze Age Pervert and? Right. Uh, <laughs> What? <laughs> this is a very strange question, dude. And also, while I have you, can you please uh, ship me some surplus Romanian AK forty seven? Yeah, I, I I have no idea. I mean, I don't even know what one should do. What, what's what's your strategy if you know if you get a message like this? Obviously, don't respond. But like, is there is there something you know? Is there a way to insulate yourself? You know, 
Uh, I jump right in. I, t- I typically give them, you know, I tell them that I intend to uh, create homemade explosives that I use to blow up the you know, United States power grid. Uh, I'll suggest, uh, you know, purchasing bulk quantities of uh, assault rifles that have folding stocks and pistol grips and, uh, you know, magazine capacities to, to write this of down. 10 rounds. Yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah, ask. Okay. I'll ask if they have any videos of their sixteen-year-old sister. You know the the usual stuff. Okay. Yeah. I mean that that sounds plausible. If I did it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> should be good. Who knows? I've never had any like feds come at me except. Uh, I think one time I made a post about uh, about getting some guns or something, and somebody commented like, "Hey, you want to sell me any of those guns?" And uh, that was just too obvious. But otherwise, like I'm. I'm so irrelevant that, uh, you know, I rarely get the exciting right wing shit that happens to other people like shadowy billionaires trying to fund them to make propaganda or whatever other, you know, Robert Mercer horse shit is going on like that rarely happens to me. I don't get I don't get the Peter Thiel money offer. Uh, I don't get, you know, there's no, my, my work, first of all, doesn't have a right wing message. And, and second of all, I think people understand that I'm not a very effective propagandist. Like I really just talk about pussy. So I yeah, get to, I, I get to exist outside of all the conspiracies. Yeah. The, the, the trad calf angle and the, 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 you know, the, 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 the right wingness, at least in, you know, yeah. kind of like Trad, the, ethics trads, there's two flavors of trads and one I love and appreciate and one I absolutely hate. Right. So somebody who has found God, like I have a relationship with God. Like I prayed to God before being on your podcast, like, please let me be of service to Alex and to her audience. And please let me tell the truth and spread your message to the world, Lord. Right. So some trad cats say nice things to you and are like, you know, you should, you know, and support my efforts to like watch birds be in nature, have wholesome relationships, raise my, uh, my feral cat and, you know, get closer to God. Right. And then others are like calling me a degenerate and saying that, uh, you know, I'm leading young men astray. And I'm disgusting. I'm doing evil and bringing evil into the world. And it's like, did, did God tell you to say that? You know, did God tell you to say that you fucking chump? Like these guys are like one degree away from being incel van killers, the angry trad cats. <laughs> and there's nothing worse than a fucking angry, an angry, censorious Catholic, you know, I mean, the ADL can get pretty bad, but like Catholics have their own flavor because it's combined with like drunken Irish rage or something. And uh, yeah, you know, even e- even Protestant evangelicals are not that uptight because everybody knows that they're secretly doing meth and sucking dick or fucking molesting their kids. Like uh, there's something about like angry. Tra- and by the way, I respect Catholicism. I will probably convert to it one day. Um, and I find the history of the church fascinating, but there's a certain kind of clenched Catholicism that has to do with like, you know, there's a lot of repressed homosexuality going on and all this other shit that gives you rage, right? There's rage and there's rage specific to sexuality. And, uh, you know, I get a lot of those guys coming at me and it's like, you know, blow it out your ass. Like, I know that God didn't tell you to go spout off on Twitter about how great you are and about how much somebody else sucks because I don't, you know, maybe I'm crazy, but like I talk to God and like, that's what he tells me is to be less of a dick. Right. I mean, look, maybe God has other plans for other people. He's giving people other messages. 
maybe yeah. he really is you know look i don't want to speak for for the man upstairs maybe 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 these people are right about god's plan and i'm wrong to be honest i mean only only time will tell you know when yeah. we'll, we'll have to deal with this on a, on a one-on-one basis right. at one point yeah right. oh uh, shit right <laughs> there's a there's quite a kind of a, a, a sweetness to to your writing, you know, as, as far as I've, I've gotten into it, you know, there's, there's kind of this vision of, of a life beyond yourself. Maybe it's maybe it's this this faith that you have and, um, you know, kind of this kind of beyond the rainbow. There is there is this life that, you know, is, is kind of trad sometimes. It's kind of, you conjure yes, kind of a bit my of a vision trad is, aesthetic. My um, dream life is 100 percent trad. It's the farm, the wife. The wife that I give love to unconditionally, love and support and protect her, you know. Yeah, and in, and sometimes I feel like the the punchline is that you're kind of still you don't one hundred percent believe in this vision, or maybe I'm <laughs> yeah. interpreting it. It's like right every time I actually encounter a woman in real life, that vision takes another blow. Yeah. You know? Right. And then, then it became like, you know, I whipsaw back into thinking that women are, you know, subhuman garbage or like some sort of like cunning demons that are only <laughs> out to torture me and like real evil sadists and their yeah. gift, like the woman's gift is not brute physical strength, but rather an ability to manipulate us like puppets <laughs> into uh, embracing the most evil side of ourselves for their own sick pleasure. Yeah, that's, that's that's one way of putting it. You're definitely yeah. <laughs> you definitely got the the, the plasticity of language there, um, but um, I I feel like you, you know there's um, there there's something there. You know, you're not just like someone who presents you know this degenerate life so you don't really say that okay this is aspirational you don't say okay right. this is my life. You know, I'm I'm yeah. a Hugh Hefner of you know that's like, the big Saigon prostitutes like. That's the mistake and that's the misinterpretation. And that's how stupid people see my work. Like, I think men get a lot of garbage thrown at them. First of all, there's so much like male in our, in our circles, whatever you call it, there's so much male advice, right? Men are telling you, everybody is selling you a $40 PDF that tells you to sleep and drink water. And every, uh, people are not sophisticated enough sometimes to see that I'm not self-aggrandizing. I'm self-deprecating, right? I don't yeah. have any answers and I'm just relaying my experience. But people are so used to reading garbage sales letters from horseshit merchants online that, uh, and so they have you know an unsophisticated literary palette and they think that I'm one of these guys and I'm not, right? I'm not telling you how to live. And yes, it's, uh, you know, the, the life that I've had has been very painful. Um, and I've, God knows, I mean, look, I've fucked more women than, than Caligula, you know? Um, and where did it leave me? I think, uh, and I want to do it again, you know, every, every day I'm getting, I'm 45 years old. I still want to wake up and do it again. You know, I want to fuck that hooker again. Now, now when you say third world hooker, Saigon hookers, I, I've not been to Vietnam, but I get, I take your point, right? We're talking about the Philippines, Thailand, Cambodia, yeah. six of one, half a dozen of the other. <laughs> like when I'm doing that, it's not this evil experience either. I'm not out there being like, you know, it's, uh, it's 
they're, you know, you talk to them, they're human beings, they're interesting people, they've got interesting life stories. Um, it's not, they're not sex trafficked slaves. Uh, they have the ability to say no to me. Um, you know, would they fuck me for free? I don't know. But, uh, and it's also, it, you know, it's insulting to think that to fuck me is some great crime, right? Like a, it's a human rights violation to have to, uh, you know, lay in bed with, with my, you know, like I'm some disgusting creature, like, you know, I'm not, it's, I don't know quite how to explain it, but you know, I'm not fucking, I'm yeah. not there like smacking them around and like watching their tears. Like these girls are fucking hoes. They're horny. They don't mind fucking, um, you know, as far as jobs go, it beats working in a salt mine. And I like talking to them, hearing their stories. I still stay in touch with many of them years later. None of them have tried to exploit me, scam me, blackmail me, tell me that they're going to, you know, show, you know, show to my mother on Facebook that I fuck teenage whores in the Philippines. Like they're curious about life in America. I'm curious about life in the Philippines. They have great senses of humor. We laugh and joke together. And it's a, you know, a human relationship with these third world whores. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's 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 a tricky thing because I mean, you're you're describing now your your relationship with these girls, and I feel like you know it's absolutely you know fair fair enough, and you know I'm sure you know the 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 parameters of your relationships with them is, are, are are yours. Um, the fact that you know <laughs> shit, shit happens, you know shit happens. I can tell you girls. don't buy it, and that that's I'm, totally understandable. I, I buy. I mean, I'm I'm from Romania. I've seen I've seen I know women who've been trafficked. I know kind of how this shit goes. It's like yeah. The consent to me sounds it's good it's really good but i feel like it's a it's a necessary but not sufficient condition for these yeah things. It's a, it's, yeah you're it's saying, a what you're saying what you're saying is everything i just told you is a bunch of horseshit cope which may be accurate you may be right i feel you know i mean if, if the stripper likes you I'm, I'm really happy for you that's that's all <laughs> i can say man um but you know, this is this is yeah, this is you know the oldest profession in the world. You know, I, it's it's not something I'm going to be writing a blog post about and then you know kind of relieving our, our yeah. civilization from. You know, this is this is super super layered, super nuanced. I get it. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not lifting these girls out of poverty either. I'm fucking uh, three of them a day, and uh, bailing and leaving town. So. Yeah, it's you know I'm curious what you think about about normalizing uh, and about kind of you know saying okay, this is you know like you said these are absolutely human beings they're doing a job it's easier than the salt mines should we just destigmatize normalize and just say you know it's it's just another accountancy job they're just you know they're just horizontal rather than vertical while they're doing it mm -hmm. right uh, I think that the work that prostitutes do and the transactions that Johns make are much more, uh, more, you know, morally sound than for instance, what a private equity person does or, you know, an, an investor or, you know, any kind of business professional or salesperson. I think what they do is at least morally neutral. Well, what most wealthy people who made their own money in America do is, you know, morally evil. So, yeah, I, you I, know these whore, these whores are better people than uh, I'm trying to think of a business person. You know, a specific one that's an example, but that's you know, who knows? Yeah, who knows exactly? All of them. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I feel like you know, on on an individual level, you know, I I also I'm not for you know bringing uh, 
the the wrath of God onto any individual prostitute because she's you know desecrating her body or whatever. But I really do feel like on a societal level there is some benefit in saying okay this is this is a, a job unlike other jobs especially just yeah. just as as a warning to girls because i feel like you know i, yeah. I know a lot no, of women it's not, who... yeah it's not good you're not going to come out of being a hooker and then you know can you make a hoe into a housewife is the question and probably not um but can you make me into a housewife right like i've you know i've i've fucked more people than these whores have probably and i guess the answer is yes it has made me probably too jaded to have a relationship and uh i'll probably die alone i mean yeah i, I don't have a comeback to that and i mean i, I, I hope that's not the case <laughs> so we don't want to start crying now but uh it's um yeah it, it, this this type of stuff you know you, you can I don't know how it is for men. Obviously, I don't. I don't have the the standpoint epistemology to to you know have that reflection. Obviously, I only know about men from your stories, but um... <laughs> it's a, it's, yes. all men are exactly like me. When you go to the grocery store, God like, forbid. <laughs> and there's a guy, you know, whatever you're buying in Romania, the guy, the guy selling you your your board. My AK-47. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> like he's thinking like me. What's going through his head as he looks at you? is what goes is what's in the pages of that book the pussy as i'm looking at southeast asian that's what that's what i believe my whole life <laughs> just confirming everything i already knew when he yes. stops doing that i'll be like oh <laughs> there's a problem <laughs> yeah that's when he's really fucked up that's when he starts railing against the jews or I'm I'm the problem, you know. I'm I'm, I'm losing it, you know. <laughs> no, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, you know, this is we're, we're joking here, people. You know, it's 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 all funny, but um, yeah. Anyway, I mean, you have also spoken about uh, your struggles with alcoholism, and you know, yeah. you're you're sober now, um, mm -hmm. and it feels like you know this is this is one of these these hardcore demons you know people encounter all sorts of demons in their lives you know so i've, I've had the, the smoking demon which is a more minor demon and then you know there's there's all these things that kind of come and and in a way chain you to to your desires you know they kind of in a way enslave you like um do you feel like for, while you were kind of on the, under the spell of alcohol do you feel like you were kind of in, imprisoned or did you still feel like you had you had agency like what's what's the what's the kind of theory of mind of someone who's, who's in the grip of this? I knew I was an alcoholic and I knew that someday I would have to stop. What alcohol gave me was the ability to be at peace temporarily with, uh, you know, the, the anguish of life, right? Um, Alcoholics Anonymous, which I am a member of now for seven years is a sort of daily treatment to help you be at peace with God's plan, um, which is not, always the same as my plan, right? Um, whatever the world has in store for me, I got to accept it. Alcohol gives you the ability to do that. I would come home every day from my shitty job and drink a pint of brandy, right? And I would feel like I knew I had my problems and I wouldn't care. It's forgetting juice for, you know, the, the fact that your life is so despair inducing. Um, at some point, alcohol stops working. And your emotions grow strong enough that they can penetrate that wall of, of numbness, not even, it's not the right word, but you know what I'm saying, the wall of apathy, joyful apathy that alcohol creates. 
I do think there's a, there's a certain percentage of people that are genetically alcoholics and I'm one of them. I, if I were not one of those people, I would not have quit drinking because alcohol is a wonderful tool to make you able to like other people and to like situations. That's what alcohol is for. Um, a social steroid. I am a social cripple 100% without alcohol. I'm a horrible introvert. I go to bed at 9 p.m. Uh, I am a, you know, just functioning drone toiling away at my office job. And then like in my spare time, I'm writing books. I'm too productive and uh, all work and no play. And I have a very hard time tolerating. Although coronavirus has done a lot for me socially because I enjoy conversations so much now because they're so rare. Um, but Prior to that, you know, I was I was a salty old man because I, in a, you know, with in, incredible agonizing self doubt. Um, you want to talk about difficulty talking to women? Like I could never fucking pick up a girl socially without drinking. And uh, you know, I you adapt, you learn skills to get around this, just like you learn how to you know move around with no legs. But there's no substitute for being four drinks in and talking to a girl at a bar with that steamroller of confidence, unshakable confidence. The problem is that I, when I start drinking, I have to drink as much alcohol as I have the physical capacity to contain. <laughs> and that involves, you know, like I started boxing over Corona and I recently started sparring and I got brain damage from the second sparring section. Like I couldn't mm -hmm. do third grade arithmetic the next day. The reason for that is because one time when I was drinking and doing drugs, um, I fell over and hit my head on concrete very hard and lost a lot of time. And that sort of brain trauma sensitizes you to minor brain traumas later in life, right? So I can't get hit in the face even lightly anymore. I got to go have a conversation with my boxing trainer being like, please don't hit my face because I can't take what a child in karate class could take anymore. Cause I've banged my head too many times. I got, you know, I got in a fight when I was drunk and fucking went down a flight of concrete stairs. Like my brain is damaged from things that I did while drunk. Um, and it's because I don't know when to shut it off. When I start, if I do cocaine, I've got to do cocaine for days and stay up jerking off my dick until it bleeds, you know? Um, I've got a real genetic, you know, and it's, it's genetic. I was bred to, I was bred to get fucked up like a racehorse is bred to run. Um, is this genetic in the sense that you've, you've had this in your family or you just kind of, yeah, like my, my, my father was an alcoholic. Uh, my mother's father was a very, very bad, very dark haunted alcoholic. Mm. Um, you know, I'm a genetic, uh, I'm a mixed bag genetically, right? Like it's nice to be tall. I've got a good six pack. I'm reasonably intelligent. I have pretty eyes. I have, you know, good writing ability, good musical ability, drawing, good fine motor skills generally. Not bad looking. Recently, you know, Norwood 3 is not a bad place to be at 45 years old. Um, there's a lot to recommend me genetically. And then there's a lot of reasons why I might not want to continue this lineage on the earth, which is, you know, gnawing horrible, torturous darkness within me that surfaces every day that I've struggled my entire life to escape. And alcohol is a wonderful tool for escaping it. But now, you, now you've now you been sober for a few years. Seven years, yeah. 
Seven years. It's a and how... fucking long time. Imagine not drinking for seven fucking years. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're, you're telling me I'm, I'm pregnant. I've been pregnant for a long time now, so yeah. I haven't been drinking, not for seven who's years. The, but... uh, who's the uh, who's the lucky fellow? Who's the baby daddy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's he is a non. He's yeah, no, some, no, <laughs> some guy. He's my husband. Come on, no, yeah. we live together. We're married. I'm Holy I'm shit. I'm a good I'm a good person. <laughs> Very exotic. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty strange. Yeah, no, he's uh he's literally in this house right now. I swear. Holy fuck! Thank you, promise. Um, <laughs> he's he's set up this whole podcasting station for me because he's a tinkerer. <laughs> He went. Oh. <laughs> you sure? You sure he didn't go to the store for a back pack of cigarettes, and he'll be back any day now? We always joke about that, but he doesn't smoke anymore. We quit together. This is this okay. is all very romantic. We've 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 yeah. uh, we've straightened up our our lives together. So yeah, sorry, but he also has no no web presence, so he's not not a, a person God, on the yeah. internet. Yeah, yeah. Thank God. You know, if I if I hear someone else mentioning the discourse that's not in my phone, <laughs> I might kill someone. So yeah. That's, so that's why he gets to have like a lovely wife and child because he's abstained from the. Yeah, I, I don't want any of you go, you demons. <laughs> I have enough. I love Same it. Enough. I love to do it. You know, in my own time. You know, to to haunt myself with uh, with words, but in reality, I just you know want to go out. You know, do bird watching. I mean, we're really into bird watching. Yeah, we're like octogenarians, and yeah. yeah just... So you found the equivalent of like. So my fantasy is like I'll marry some primitive woman from the Solomon Islands who's never seen Instagram, <laughs> right? And you found basically the equivalent of that. Yeah, I mean, he he's he's versed, you know, he's he's has like an online business. He knows about the internet. He's very like technically adept, but he's just mm -hmm. disinterested in all this, you know, fucking philosophy shit that I like, mm -hmm. uh, which is I think really good because we're very complementary. You know, I'm I'm the word person, and he is the person who actually knows how to do things in in reality, which is very useful, especially if person, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's. I feel like you know we, we make a, a really good couple, and we we get along, man. It's 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 amazing to just have someone who's mentally calm and stable, and just doesn't want to go off on a tangent with me into my you know the demonic realms that my mind can conjure. So it's it's really good, you know, finding someone who's okay. just has happiness as a baseline. That's all I recommend. All right. for whatever oh, shit. okay so that's the the criteria for a husband are mentally calm and stable and happiness is a baseline which means yeah that I'm fucked. but the thing is you need you need some because you're I, I feel i'm i'm don't want to compare myself to to the the, the master literary person here but i feel like we're we're, we're maybe similar right. I'm, I'm the i'm the, I'm the you, you know? in this relationship right? you're I, need niece. To, yeah, so you need I need to who's... marry i need to marry a happy idiot i think <laughs> No, a, a um, maybe a technically adept woman. <laughs> I don't oh my know. god! No, uh, technically adept woman. Oh are you? God. Are you? Are you technically adept? Fuck no! No, I'm a complete moron. Um, oh, you just I, have you know, to look for that com complementarity. Maybe it's a different axis. You know, someone who's sure. who's just cute and cuddly and just you know does doesn't want to get involved in the in the darkness of life, and she'll yeah. she'll drag you to the shore. You know, every time you try to float off. I just want a six or above who's not a complete moron and uh, isn't, you know, some kind of murderer or trying to steal my organs. Well, will you be that. happy with her? Or do you have the capacity to be happy with a six or above who's not a complete moron? I don't know. I don't have the capacity to be happy uh, with, you know, my Xbox or anything else. Like I just like there is happiness and there's happiness. 
So I'm a somewhat unhappy person. I accept it. And I've, you can't, you have to stop kicking yourself in the ass for being unhappy. Right. Um, There's another thing that like bothers me about male Twitter, which is like this concept of like mind hacks and, you know, mental training techniques and all this other bullshit. Mm -hmm. It's uh, all horseshit. None of it works. It's okay to be like unhappy or the, or this concept of like, people always tell me to stop complaining. Um, Blow it out your ass. First of all, you know, every, I mean, I'm a fucking artist, so that's what we do. (laughs) And also this concept of like, be, you know, I understand like gratitude is a good thing, right? There's a good way and a bad way to tell people to be grateful, right? I'm grateful for the trees outside my window and the birds that land on the phone line. But this, you know, uh, be grateful you're not living in a, you know, war-torn Africa uh, is complete horseshit. Those people, I've been to a lot of places like that. The people are way happier than you or me. And obviously, you know, your your material status or the fact that you live in a first world country either has nothing to do with your happiness or is negatively correlated with it. So I refuse yeah. to be, I refuse to be grateful for horseshit like money you know whatever career status i don't know i guess it's a struggle right i don't want to like overplay the concept that i'm a miserable ingrate because i really do have a lot of happiness on a day-to-day basis but you know i think that people also have a fair point that it doesn't come across as my in my writing as much as it you know in terms of like my writing is probably 80 percent complaining and 20 percent happiness um, and that's just because happiness is not that interesting. Yeah. I mean, this- or there's only happiness is, is best expressed in minimal language that serves as a sort of counterpoint to a lot of, a lot of misery, a lot of very busy misery. Yeah. I feel like you know, happiness is just a, the wrong frame. You know, I feel like we've been sold a really shitty bill of goods with happiness. Cause I, you know, once, once the purpose of life became the pursuit of happiness as essentially just hooking yourself up to like one of these big fleshlights and whatever mm, sensor yeah. stimulator you want. And surprisingly that doesn't really make you happy in the long run. It just kind of makes you chase this super normal stimuli. Cause it's like, Oh, you know, I need to hump a bigger and bigger thing or whatever you, whatever you're into. Um, what, yeah. What, what makes me happy is letting go, right. Mm-hmm. Not struggling to achieve. I think there's also like, there's, a, there's too much of a push culturally to like, you know, drive, achieve, don't be a loser. I think I already have enough internal self ass kicking Right. Like I put out a book. I feel like I haven't written anything good in a long time and I'm a failure as a writer. My new novel is coming terribly and all this other shit. And I kick myself in the ass about it constantly. And I put out a book less than a year ago, like less than one year. I put out an entirely new book while working a fucking full time job. Like I'm a fairly productive person, but it always feels like it's never enough. So when I achieve happiness, it's it's by letting letting that all go, you know, not kicking yourself in the ass. If you want to sit there and, you know, there's this concept of the loser who smokes pot and plays Xbox all day, right? Mm-hmm. If that makes you happy, fucking do it, right? Or like the loser who's fat, the loser who gets no pussy. Like I'm shredded. I look like fucking Brad Pitt in Fight Club. Uh, I get tons of pussy. 
I'm an acclaim, you know, I'm living my dream of being a, a, you know, an author who writes good books that are completely honest, beholden to no one. I've got what for me is tons of money and I'm completely miserable. And you sitting there eating the Domino's pizza, uh, playing Xbox, you know, the, the mother's basement caricature, I guarantee that person is having a better subjective experience. Video games are so good these days. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I feel like the, the the subjective experience moment to moment, you could be optimizing for that, yeah. but then you could be kind of missing the mark in the total scheme of things because everything is so good right now. Like literally food is so good right now. You know, mm -hmm. porn is so good right now. Oh, everything yeah. you have, it's it's so good right now that to me, it always reminds me of my, my cigarette addiction, which started really chill. Like, Oh, I'm just going to have going out with people smoking a little bit outside. And then I got to a point where I just kind of had to up the ante, up the ante where I was waking up an hour earlier every day just to get in my six cigarettes before I had to, you know, schlep to work. Cause yeah. I was got, got to the point where I, I had to get my smokes in to get to baseline. And I mm -hmm. really, it feels to me like that. It's like, okay, the Domino's pizza is a very similar experience. You know, if you're, if you're the guy who's addicted to the Domino's pizza, if you, and if you yeah. instructed your life, that's true. That, you so have you just to mix get it to up. baseline. Yeah. I use I use Domino's pizza as a specific pardon me, specific example because I eat so healthy. Like I cook all my own meals. I always cook like a steak and some Brussels sprouts and a potato. And once in a while I'll go over to a buddy's house and he'll order a Domino's pizza and it's such an exotic thing. Like you know, yeah. you get like keep, keep it that way. Yeah, <laughs> you, it's you got like a it. pizza with chicken on it. You fucking dip it in butter. You put some fucking hot sauce on it. It's this just is American a, stuff. We don't have that stuff here. It's no, gorgeous no. and it's delicious. It's like it's an aesthetically beautiful experience. Yes, yeah, so if I ate it every day and I started getting diabetes, like I'm sure I'd feel differently. You yeah, just you want, just you wouldn't know, enjoy you want it. What you don't have. Yeah, you really wouldn't enjoy it. You know, you kind of need it's a cliche, very cliche. You kind of need the need the the bitter to, to taste the sweet. You know, the sour yes. taste sweet. Yeah, yeah it just it makes a it makes life what it is. And I guess that's kind of where you have the meaning. That's why you see a lot of these people. You know, the the richer you are, the more ascetic and you know, a fucking monk like people become. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're they're on their fasting. They're on their you know two week meditation retreats, you know, out there, cold exposure, all this type of stuff to kind of kick the, kick themselves back into, um, out of their stupor, you know, they're not addicted to Domino's pizza. None of them. Yeah. I'm, I'm beginning to understand that with my, uh, with my new hobby of kickboxing, <laughs> like that, that masochism, as life, first of all, as a man, you're, you know, you're getting older. It's, it's wanting to, it's wanting to defy death. You know, I want to tell the world that I'm still a man. Um, unfortunately, I'm just not <laughs> like, I, you know, I'm just not like I've, you know, any tough guy can still kick my ass. Right. I'm just not. Yeah. I feel, you know, it's, it's, it's everyone. And I think, you know, after a while, maybe it's also because the, the, the circles that you run in, you know, as a young person, they just kind of dry out, you know, and you have to do something meaningful because there's also no one really to do anything else with, you know, there's every, everyone's kind of at the end of their tether at one point and then you, yeah, you, you have to do something. Yeah. Well, before, before I let you go, I want to ask you the question of the show. Um, All right which is, do you have a subversive thinker or someone, could be a writer, we've had video game developers on, we've had, you know, songwriters, whatever, someone who's 
influenced you, is kind of an, an important figure for you, but you think people might have not heard about or they might benefit from from reading or so? I'm not going to say anything that anyone hasn't heard of before. Um, a book that I'm reading now that I'm really liking a lot and rereading uh, is uh, The Last Temptation of Christ by Nikos Kazantzakis. If you are a person who is thinking about your relationship with God and God's relationship with other people in the world, um, this is a beautiful book to read. Uh, I don't have any like niche thing because I'm not, I'm not a big consumer of culture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so anybody, like I'll tell you, read Bronze Age Mindset by Bronze Age Pervert. Uh, <laughs> read, read The Elementary Particles by Michel Huelbeck. Um, what the fuck? Oh, Sam Pink. That's, that's who people should get into. Buy a book called The Ice Cream Man by Sam Pink. He's a, um, uh, a young, living, male American writer who I think is probably the best living American writer. Okay. And uh, I really think that he's a, a massive stud uh, very who, who speaks poetically and honestly. And his books always make me a little envious with how sort of close to the face of God and to the world he gets. He's a person who writes from life. I get you, Whenever you try to build up somebody's book, you always sound like a prissy pussy like I just did. Like, it's a fucking good book and read it. How about that? <laughs> okay. Ice Perfect. Cream Man by Sam Pink. Awesome. Yeah, I, I will. I have to admit, I don't really read much fiction. Uh, also, but... <laughs> uh, remember to buy, first of all, go to my website, deliciousTacos.com. Uh, read uh, my books, The Pussy, Finally Some Good News, and Savage Spirit of the Unicorn. My first book, Hot Naked Tits, is on sale for $1. And uh, that's it. Yeah, that was my next question, but you you, you took it, you you ran with it. I, I love it. Yeah, people do read, do read uh, Mr. Delicious, Mr. Taco's books um, because they're, they're really good. You know, you might, you might see glimmers of God uh, in, in his debauchery. And, you know, I think it's, it's quite, you know, it's, it's an important human experience that you're communicating there. And uh, we thank you. Thank you. If you like what you're hearing, want to see where I take it, and maybe want early access to episodes, bonus episodes, access to the AMA, or you just want to support the cause of dissident speech or my work in general, head to my Patreon at patreon.com slash aksubversive. Your donations are what keeps the lights on and makes the show possible, so thank you. <laughs>